Greetings and welcome to Men of Sorrows podcast. I am William Lloyd, your host. Men of Sorrows Finding Joy podcast is a podcast dedicated to helping men express their pain to mourn with the hope that God gives us in Jesus Christ, to acknowledge the sorrow and recognize the joy that God gives, that unspeakable joy that is supernatural and that can only come from the Holy Spirit. It is undeniable to me that God has brought me joy in the midst of my deepest trials. Today we're going to go over um, some more of Alan Wolfett's book that we covered last time in Understanding Your Grief. We looked at last week we looked at the six needs of mourning. Today we're going to start, we'll probably only get through the first five, the ten misconceptions of grief. The book is Understanding Your Grief by Dr. Alan D. Wolfelt. I highly recommend this book. It doesn't matter how long you are in your journey of grief and mourning. If if you're brand new, I mean, I, I've had some loss in my life, but nothing, nothing, none of the immediate people of my nuclear family close to me. And when my son died, I was in the wilderness. I was blindsided by it, and I was totally lost. And this book helped me so much and validated what was going on inside of me. And one reason for this podcast is I cannot deny what God has done for me, and I desperately, desperately want it for others that are in that pain because I would not wish it on my worst enemy. I I just wouldn't. So... Today, we're going to jump right into the 10 misconceptions about grief. And misconception number one is grief and mourning are the same thing. And grief in the book is defined as the constellation of internal thoughts and feelings we have when someone dies. Someone we love dies. Grief is the container. It holds all your thoughts, feelings, images of your experience. Mourning is when you take the grief you have on the inside and express it outside yourself. Talking about the person who died, crying, expressing your thoughts or feelings. And it can go on to be through art, music, celebrating anniversary dates. So to simplify, grief is all those feelings and thoughts and pain swirling around inside of you. And mourning is the expression of that, the expression of what is going on inside of you. And they are, they are, you can grieve and you can have grief and you can grieve without mourning. In fact, a a dear friend of mine who had lost his daughter, I think three years or so earlier, um, when, when he had lost his daughter, I had sent him you know, a card and a note. And I said, come, please come talk to me anytime. I I realized that I, I failed in that, that I should have maybe sought him out. But I said, please come talk to me anytime you need to talk. Now, when, when my son died, I received a card from him and his wife that said the same thing. And I took him up on it. (laughs) I walked down the street. And when I was coming up the the driveway, he kind of looked at me and was like, yeah, huh? 
huh? Like he, like he was kind of saying, like, now you know. Now you know what I went through. And, and we talked a lot, and I, I, I needed him, and he was, he was there. You know, he, you know, we were able to talk, and I, I think he talked a little bit for the first time but one of the things he told me is that yeah he hadn't mourned he just he said I keep myself busy I bury myself in my work I take jobs extra and I I'll get on the road and he so that that's an example of really grieving but not mourning so grief and mourning are two different things and I I I desperately wanted to get better I had my wife, who is the love of my life, the greatest person that I know that I needed to get back to. <laughs> my daughters, my family, my mom and dad, my both were still alive at the time. I mean, in other words, I, there, there was so much to live for, and I didn't want to live, but I didn't want to die. But the morning helped, and for me and not everyone's the same i went to support groups i had i one of my my senior pastor john glenn i named him as my grief counselor and went and spent time with him and i talked i cried people that reached out to me i i pursued them i went back after like people that wrote to me or through facebook messenger I, I would talk to them and I would tell them when I was having a really hard day and they were all, so many people were there for me and I'm eternally grateful. I would have talked to the mailman. I would have talked to anybody. So mourning is, is something that you're expressing it. And my friend Joe Freeman said that he wanted to invest in Kleenex tissues that I cried so much. And I cried and cried and cried. Misconception number two is grief and mourning progress in predictable orderly stages. Now, he points out that the Kubler-Ross stages of grief at times are presented that it's this linear progression you go for. And what he and David Kessler later, who was a protege, David Kessler is also a wonderful man. And he has a book called Finding, Finding Meaning, The Sixth Stage of Grief. And he, they both talked about how when Kubler-Ross, she noticed these stages in patients that were dying. <laughs> you know, like the bargaining, God let me live. Um, but I noticed, I noticed all the stages in, in my life and they weren't linear. They certain weren't linear. I remember the fifth day, I think it was after I thought I had completed the stages because for some reason, I think for God enabled me to live that day. I remember the fifth day I felt this lightness, this acceptance, this joy, this idea that, yeah, Liam's with God. He's with Christ in heaven. And I thought, man, I, I, I progressed. I, I went through all the stages. This can happen. And even I even read that they weren't linear, you know, and there was no time limit and everyone does it different. So I was like, wow, that was the fifth day. And I can tell you the next three to four months were hell on earth. So there is no, there is no linear 
method. It's, it's like a ball of string, your grief. So the idea that you're going to progress through the stages in a linear fashion and, and that it's predictable. Um, he quotes Thomas More, who said, we have to find ways to unlearn those things that screen us from the perception of profound truth. And that we should never try to determine, Wolfelt says, we should never try to determine where we should be in our grief. Everyone mourns in different ways. Misconception number three is you should move away from grief, not toward it. Right? Now we should move away from the pain. We should move away from grief like the traditional thing of I'll keep myself busy or... You know, you're, the, the loved one that left you wouldn't want you to be sad. So don't be sad. Um, you, you know, your dad, whoever it is, they don't want you crying for them. And really, funerals and what happens after the person passes is more about you and has very little to do with the person that passed. They're in the arms of God. They're... They're, they're, they've, they've finished their race. It's, it's we who are left behind. Those that pass from, from death to, to life, into the next age, into the next realm, they've overcome death. We still live with the stings of death and pain. We're still here. So when you think about it, it's, it's more about what's going on with us and our pain. And we're to, to move away from it, I, I cited my friend, I just keep busy, or to try to talk ourselves out of it, or shame ourselves. And I know there's a, a especially within the, the, the Christian faith, oh, why are you crying? You should be happy for them, they're in, they're in heaven. And it just, it doesn't work that way. When you're, when, when you're surprised, especially surprised when the death comes unexpectedly. And you know what? I think that we love life so much. And even when someone's sick and they're terminal, we always just want more time. It's always, you can't prepare yourself for it. You can't prepare yourself for it. And to say that we're not to experience that pain and we shouldn't, that's just, it's, it's putting an extra burden on the grief and it's complicated. We need to move towards and in and embrace the pain and, and embrace the grief and to, to mourn openly. That misconception is, is stoic. The Stoics even go as far to say, you know, if you don't get attached to anybody and don't love them too much, then you won't suffer <laughs> the pain. So that 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 is not has has no room, especially for the Christian. I mean, you look at the life of Jesus. You look at him weeping at the tomb at the gravesite of Lazarus. When you look at that, you say, well, Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus. Jesus knew that even if he didn't raise Lazarus, Lazarus had eternal life and that he'd see him again. And yet Jesus wept openly. He saw the hurt and the pain around him. And 
he realized what death does, and he wept openly. He didn't say, oh, Martha and Mary, come on. Chin up. You're going to see your brother again. Don't cry. Don't do that. He wept with them. So misconception number three is that you should move away, not towards it. And the truth is we need to move towards our pain, move towards our grief. Paradoxically, that's the only way we heal from it, is to embrace it and move towards it. Here's a good one. The old adage growing up I used to hear, big boys don't cry, men don't cry. The misconception is that tears of grief are only a sign of weakness. Tears of grief are only a sign of weakness. If that's true, I'm the weakest person in the whole world, and I probably am. I, like I said, my friend said that he was going to invest in, he was, he was going to invest in Kleenex because I cried so much. And I, I couldn't help it. I mean, I, I could try to hold it in all I could. I became an expert at sneaking away, crying in public, act like I was tying my shoe or something and just turn to the wall and just bawl my eyes out. You know, and it does. Hebrews 7 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. That's Jesus, the bravest, toughest, strongest man that ever lived, crying tears. So tears and crying are not a sign of weakness. In fact, it's one of the best things you can do. It's a sign of mourning. And it's, I, I still cry often for the first time, you know, this, you know, the past six months, I think there's periods of days that go by that I might not cry, but there's definitely, it hasn't been weeks or months that I don't cry. And sometimes it's a quick cry. Other times the, uh, like a couple weeks ago, I, I cried and I was in the car, so I was like, oh, I'll get it out before I get home, before I see my wife, and, you know, I don't want to go inside, and, you know, I bawled my eyes out, but my darling wife, she knows me, and when I came through the door, she looked, and she said, what's wrong? And I let out again, and I, I, I cried really hard. Um, but it, crying is... Mourning, that goes back to, to misconception number one, that grief and mourning are the same thing. Crying is probably one of the best things you can do. Just cry it out, let it rip, for goodness sakes. And there now when I cry, there's healing in each tear. There is healing in every tear that I cry. I can sense it, I can feel it. And I, I sense the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So that's the misconception. And then the last one that we will look at today, misconception number five, is that being upset and openly mourning means you're weak in your faith. weak in your faith. I really believe mourning and lamentation is very 
spiritual. But I, I did run into a friend of mine, and, and, and this is his, this is the way he grieves or mourns. Um, he lost his partner, and he said, you know, this is the worst. He goes, I'm the worst person to have at funerals. I know where she is. You know, I'm jealous of her. She's in heaven. She's with God and the angels. And he meant it sincerely. And the problem would be, and he didn't do it, but I've, I've heard people do it, like basically say that if you're mourning or you're crying or you're missing, you're being selfish. I mean, we all struggle with self-centeredness and we all struggle with self-centeredness in our mourning and grief. But God's bigger than all that. He's able to work through all that. But if you're crying and you're mourning, it doesn't mean you're weak in faith. Your faith is shaken, maybe. Your faith is working itself out. Faith isn't some clean-cut clinical thing. Faith is clumsy, messy, <laughs> dirty, full of tears and sweat and heartache. So to, to think that, oh, if I cry, I'm, I'm not showing, you know, I'm, I'm weak in my faith. We would bring it back to what we just talked about, Jesus Christ and his tears and his crying. You can't get any better of a role model than that. So the idea that, I mean, faith, my, my faith was shaken. And I was in a community of believers in Jesus Christ. I was, and I am, I never stopped believing. But I, I, my, my doubt was so strong when this all happened. And I can't explain why. I just, I had doubts about the afterlife. I had doubts about heaven and you know, walking around and seeing each other again and being together. I just had doubts. Like, ah, I don't know if we, I, I, I felt like, I felt like somehow we, the church believers, I felt like we just got it all wrong somehow. And that's not too far of a stretch. You look at what happened, the, the religious leaders of Jesus' day that were expecting and looking for the Messiah cried crucified Jesus they the religious leaders totally rejected him and sometimes like during that time I remember thinking I think we got this all wrong we're missing something we're missing something it's just not that simple it can't be you know and you know in my case it was my son it was suicide so I think that complicated everything and I think that somehow I I missed it and I I felt like I felt like you know what God gives us everything we need, and it's so much is up to us, I felt like. Like God, you know, I don't want to go into all that because it just will lead us down a rabbit hole, but what I'm saying is that my faith was upside down, sideways, and I had all of these doubts, and yet, and yet, I believed and my constant prayer was, God, I believe, help me in my unbelief. That story of the man who had the demon-possessed son. And Jesus said, I, you know, all things are possible to those who believe. He said, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. And I prayed that. I never doubted Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I didn't doubt that. 
But I did doubt the afterlife. I did doubt eternal life. I did doubt that everything's going to work out in this beautiful place called heaven where we live forever and ever and ever. The thing I desperately wanted to believe because that means that I will see my son again. That means I will be with him again and see him. And my whole family will be together in this beautiful way at this marriage supper of the Lamb. I desperately wanted to believe that. And God had to work all of that out. Now, do I believe that now? Yes, I do. Stronger than ever. In fact, I feel I feel this eternal connection. I feel more connected. And I, I see less of a division between this physical world and the spiritual world. I see God in all, through all, over all. And I believe all things. I hope all things. And yes, there are times I still doubt. Yesterday I was kind of swirling around in my head and I remember stopping myself and saying, no, the truth is that I am going to see my son again. I am going to see my dad again. Once this is all over, we're all going to be together in this, this place that they call the kingdom of God where there'll be no more death, no more mourning, no crying. God will wipe every tear from our eyes. We will be with God and the dwelling place of God will be with man. So our faith, hey, faith will be shaken and it's good to be shaken because there's things that we constantly believe about God that are not necessarily true. And God wants us to come to ever-increasing glory of knowing him. So we'll stop there, and next time we'll pick up on misconceptions 6 through 10. I hope this helps. I hope this helps us through this journey of grief and, and mourning because a lot of times we could put pressure on ourselves to get it over with or to move through it. And the worst thing, that we can think for anybody is they should be over this. There's never getting over it. You walk through it. You're new. Things are different. God walks with you. And and things, you could even feel more alive, more connected to God than ever through it. Yet the sorrow is always there. I still wish my, my son was here. So I hope that I hope that helps. And um, my my emails in the show notes. If if you have any questions or comments or you want to reach out in any way, um, if you know of anyone who might want to come on the show and and tell their story and their testimony, I'm always looking for men to come on with me and express their pain and sorrow, share their story, encourage one another. You know, one one guest, Mike Hicks. I mean, we 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 encouraged each other so much just by doing the show. <laughs> if if it was just for us, then beautiful. You know what I'm saying. So, um, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Until then, know that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. His grace is sufficient for us, and nothing, nothing in all creation, not even death, is able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen.